You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 10 of Myth Behaving and we're recording on May the 6th. I'm Carla Clifton and I am joined with a guest host, Lindy Walker. Hey Lindy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Carla. And hey, everybody. Uh, Each Myth Behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, publisher, agent, editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have several special segments related to reading or writing. in the library of a myth behavior. That means it's time for something from library of a myth behavior. So what are you recommending today, Miss Carla? Well, I'll tell you what. Today is a very, very special day for me personally because I get to recommend Relics, the debut novel by our very own Mayor Wilson. I cannot say enough good things about this book. Not only is it well written, but when you pick it up, it captures you completely until you've finished reading it, and it's just darn near impossible to put down, and you just absolutely fall in love with the main characters of the book, Thulu and Lafie, and I tell you, I am just so excited to recommend this book. Wonderful, and I am here today because our special guest today is Mayor. Hey there, Mayor. How's it feel to be on that side of the interview on your own show? I know, it feels very odd. (laughs) You guys are doing great. (laughs) Thanks. Yay. Well, we're just thrilled to be able to chat with you about relics. I've been bursting with excitement about this book. Um, I just think that you've done a fabulous job. This book takes uh, place in a realistic fantasy world. Would you share with our listeners how you decided to write urban fantasy? Basically, I've always loved fantasy. I've I've been a a big fantasy and sci-fi geek, you know, ever since I was really young. So I've been reading those genres for a long time. And, you know, more recently, urban fantasy has become more and more popular. And I love watching it. Uh, I love reading it. Uh, you know, you see shoes, shows like True Blood, and you read books like uh, uh, the Sookie Stackhouse novels, and uh, you know Twilight and, and Harry Potter. All of these are all set present day, and they're all basically in our in our world with with differences, with changes, and so it was just kind of a natural outgrowth to go ahead and and stay in that genre, and the way the names came about, the way the characters came about, that's where they lived, is, is it was very, very much right there in uh, San Francisco present day, so it had to be urban fantasy. Of truth and mythery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. You don't have to do research when you write fiction. Is that true or just another myth, Mayor? 
Uh, I'm going to go with another myth because I did an awful lot of research uh, in, in writing relics different different times. I'd get to a place in the book and realize I knew nothing about what I wanted, didn't know enough about it. You know, I'm like, oh, I want to use this, and then I'd have to stop and look it up. Uh, I spent days researching uh, early 8th century China uh, for one part of the book where Jones is talking about one of his former incarnations, and I, I needed to know, you know, about it to be able to write about it. Well, it ends up being like a few paragraphs in the book, but I spent several days reading a, a lot about that time period, especially because I also was creating the panels that were were made back then. So I was reading a lot of art. I was reading a lot of history. I wanted to find out uh, about the a dynasty that was in China at the time where they were very, very happy. And, of course, you've read the book, so you know why I needed that. But... Uh, trying to find that golden age, and that's how I settled on on early 8th century China and incorporated that in. But even some little things, and I can't even remember particulars right now, but there would there would be something that I'd get to and, and I'd realize, oh, I don't know how that object works or I'd need to double-check something, and I might spend 15, 20 minutes looking something up and checking it out. But there's an awful lot of research that... I did that, you know, it doesn't even show up half the time in the book. It's just so that I know something works a certain way. The traffic accident was another one. I had to check with uh, a state trooper friend of mine to see whether or not the way I had it happening was plausible and could happen. So there, there definitely a lot of myth in my book anyway because I did a lot of research. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that makes a book stronger when you have that research that goes into it and you know that that scene is going to work. Mayor, I know that you're a professor these days with a history in the theater. Did your background in drama influence your writing? Absolutely. How? Uh, this is not coming from me necessarily, but from people who have read the book that have said the dialogue and my, my character creation is, is very strong. And if that's true, I'm going to take that compliment, but uh, if that's true, then of course that, that ties directly back into the stage and creating characters there, uh, keeping your dialogue realistic, not that you're writing dialogue, but in interpreting the dialogue for, for characters on the stage. I think it gives you an ear to be able to hear how things sound, and I think that translates into my head when I'm writing as well. It's time for MythPrint, Tips and Tricks of the Industry. It's time for another one of our special segments. And MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Mayor, do you have any tips for us about getting a manuscript ready to submit to share to, with our listeners? I do. I do. I've I work with beta readers, and I, I strongly recommend that anyone who is getting ready to submit should make sure that they've had their manuscript beta read. And, and I don't mean beta read by mom and dad and their brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. I mean, get somebody who's going to be highly critical, uh, even go to a, a high school or college English professor and get them to do some, some work with you. 
on your manuscript before you do it. Get that feedback. I think that's extremely critical. The other thing that I notice from a lot of writers is there's they're in such a hurry to submit this. They're just they just they're you know, they've written the end and they're just ready to to get that manuscript into the hands and out into the world. And I think they would be a lot better served if they would take their time, slow it down, and really polish it and take the time to revise that manuscript as much as they can. That doesn't mean do it for years and years, but certainly uh, read it over and over and polish it until it's it's something that they're proud of and and get it out there. Uh, that's that's something that I, I see uh, in fellow newbie writers that they're they're anxious to to get stuff out but not quite as anxious to make the changes that will make it even better. And I, I think that's that's a mistake. I think they need to to take that time and really really polish that and that goes hand in hand I think with the beta readers. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. Um, do you remember how many queries you sent before you got a contract? Are you talking about queries to agents or queries to publishers? <laughs> Whichever one you want to talk about, either or both. <laughs> well, I sent about 80 to, to agents, but by the last 10 or 15, I was, I was, I'd really come to the conclusion that agents worked for me. So I, I was hoping I did not get a yes from any of them which sounds really strange because I, I wanted it to be a no at that point in time because I wanted I was ready to start submitting to publishers because I had come to the conclusion that for me the best option was a small press I'd already been doing some research and I, I had uh, about half a dozen that I, I really was anxious to submit to with Crescent Moon my publisher being my first choice and uh I sent out to those six publishers and I got almost immediately two requests for the full manuscript back out of the six. Awesome. Very nice. What has been the most surprising thing about this whole publishing process for you? I think just I knew going in um, from watching other writers like like Lindy and Gretchen that have been on the show before, uh, they they've taught me so much about marketing. But I think still the how much is involved and and all of the details of what's in, in entailed in that it it'd have to say I'd have to say the the marketing at this point in time is even even though I'm prepared for it and even though I knew it was coming. You're never really prepared for as much as you're doing. I, I've got 37 blog stops in the month of May uh, between my blog tour and then all of my, my um, co-authors and friends that, I, that are authors that I know. And some of those are interviews. Some of those are guest posts which I wasn't quite expecting as many guest posts. So you're like, okay, what can I write about? And fortunately, my wonderful, wonderful blog tour company um, supplied me with a whole list of, of topics, which helps a lot. But I think the marketing would probably be uh, probably be the most surprising. Amen to that, sister. <laughs> <laughs> it does not stop. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. Now, I've got four appearances this week alone, um, not counting my internet appearances. These are four live appearances just this week alone. So, oh, goodness. Yeah, it, it's it's a busy month for me. I, I don't, I, 
don't know what I was thinking when I scheduled all of this. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking, I have a book coming out. Yay, I'm going to tell people. Yeah, I have Wednesday. I have a TV show. Uh, Thursday is my official release party that the college is giving me, and then uh, Friday I have another TV show, and then I have a book signing in in the Vegas area for. Uh, so if anybody lives in the Vegas area, I'll be at the book boutique in Henderson, and I have that on Saturday. So lots lots going on this week. Very cool. Well, I have another question for you. I I know how I do things, and. Authors work in so many different ways, and having just come from, uh, you know, the big annual Mystery Malice Domestic Fan Convention um, that was in the D.C. area this weekend, I heard so many stories from so many different really huge authors that I've idolized for so many years that all turned out to be such nice people, and I was very excited about that, um, about how they work and what they do. So are you a planner who has to outline everything and make spreadsheets and have a cork board and do all the little notes, or are you a pantser? Do you just fly by the seat of your pants and let the story go where it goes? I am a definite pantser. I have no outlines, which is unusual for me because I am like, you know, in, in the book, Lafie's always making lists. Lafie makes lists because I make lists. It's what I do. And I don't do that with my writing. I do it with everything else in my life, but not my writing. And I'm not, I'm not sure why. But I have one document where I keep all my notes and my timelines. And I keep things that I think I'm going to forget. Um, and I, I had to work out my timeline because, you know, uh, Relics takes place over about an 11-year period. So I had to, or 16-year period, actually. So I had to make sure that I had the times right. So I, I did do that very carefully and get that timeline. And I have a cast of character list in there. Uh, but other than that, those are the only notes I have. Wow. Knowing you, that surprises <laughs> me. <laughs> I would have expected you to be a planner. <laughs> I know. I, I have a general idea where I'm going to go with a book. Um, I have a, an idea of how it's going to end, but I don't know how I'm going to get there usually. My characters surprise me constantly. I'll be like, I'll be writing, I'll be like, I'll get really excited and go, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I will get really excited. I'll, I just get so excited because I I didn't, I didn't consciously know, obviously this has to be in my subconscious somewhere, but I had no idea some of these. When I first started Relics, I'll tell you a big secret since this is, this is my show, but not today. Um, I had no idea Jones was a daemon. No clue when I first started writing Relics. Wow. When, when Lafie, when Lafie says, you know, um, to him that she knows that he's a, she calls him a demon. But when Lafitte knows that, all of a sudden the rest of the story just kind of like fell into place. And I went, oh, I didn't know this because I really thought he was just another thug, you know, that they were after. No idea that this was going to go where it went. I shouldn't have admitted that, huh? No, <laughs> so I think because that's the fun part of it for me. I, and I write mystery and I don't outline. I, I usually know where the mystery is going to, like, I, I start off knowing who did it and how they did it and why they did it. And then I work backwards 
for how to get my main character to that. But all the rest of it, I just let it go where it's going to go because it wouldn't be any fun for me. It would feel like work if I had an outline. It's fun for me to see what they do. I agree. Uh, and, and not only that, that organic, it's playing. You get to play. You're exactly right. If I outlined, it would feel like work. It would. Yeah. And, and as it is, I just feel like uh, the, the Thula and Lafia especially are so real to me. They are, they are just so real. And I have such a blast playing in their world. I want to go to their world. I love their world. Right. So, um, maybe not so much when we get into book two, but in book one, <laughs> it's just, it's just so fabulous what I've, I, cause I've taken earth, I've taken San Francisco, our time, and I've just added magic into it. I love that idea that magic could come back to earth. That's fantastic. And really fascinating. I'm very excited about this book. Well, now we have seen a lot of changes in the industry in the last couple of years. Mayor, do you feel the changes have impacted your own work? And if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about those changes? I think the changes opened the door for a lot of writers like me to get published. Um, we had uh, G.J. on last week, who was ta- or two weeks ago, who was talking about uh, the gatekeepers. And, and I think... I'm not so sure I would have been published if I'd if I'd only had that route to go, and I think that that the mystique of of the the traditional publishers is fading a little bit. Not completely; it's probably always going to be there. But I more and more the small presses like Crescent Moon, like Henry Press, they're becoming respected. They're 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 winning awards. They're they're really making names for themselves and doing quality work and publishing quality books out there, uh, the indie authors who are self-publishing and having a chance to build their readership and and create uh, fabulous, fabulous franchises for themselves, uh, that can only be good for all of us, I think. Well, thank you for the plug for my publishing house. I'm very, very, very proud to be a Henry Press author. So yeah, they're awesome. They're doing wonderful things. They are, and, you know, and my own is Crescent Moon. I just right. love them. I'm, I'm so, yes. I just feel so lucky to be with them um, because, you know, I had, I'm not so sure I could do what GJ does and, and, and get the, the, the cover and the edit, edit, the editing and all of those things that he got done. And I admire him for that, but I, I, I want somebody to hold my hand <laughs> right? and, and I have that. And one of the things, especially about being with a small press like this, is the the writers, and you probably have this too, Lindy, the writers in um, at CMP are so supportive of each other. And, I mean, we're out there helping each other promote our books. We're out there uh, sharing on social media and tweeting for each other and getting together with events. I'm going to have an event uh, later on this this month with four of the Crescent Moon writers and we're going to do a big Twitter party and we're giving away ebooks and um, uh, book cover jewelry and a hundred dollar gift card. And so that should be fun. But those kinds of things that are going on are, are fabulous, and I don't know if you'd have that to that degree if we were still um, in the old days. I, I think there's a lot more freedom. 
Yeah, and I think part of the thing that I really love about my publishing house is that sense of community with the authors. Yeah, I've never worked anywhere before where I liked every single person that I worked with (laughs) until I got a publishing contract with Henry, and all of the other writers are just wonderful people, and I got a chance to meet a lot of them in person at Malice over the weekend, and it was so nice to meet these people. You know, when you know somebody online, you're never quite sure if it's really the same when you see them in person, but everybody was just exactly like I expected them to be, and everyone was very sweet and very genuine, and we had such a good weekend, and then, you know, we, we did, we had an author who won an Agatha Award on Saturday night, Susan Boyer won um, Best First Novel in the 2012 Agathas, and that's huge, and that's I'm so awesome. excited for her, and somebody took a video um, from the back of our table, and when they called her name, you hear this scream, and it's not Susan, it's actually me. Um, <laughs> I was sitting there with my fingers crossed going, oh, please, 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 please. And then the lady said her name and I was like, oh, 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 go, go get up. So, um, oh, you're so cute. But see, so this cute. is the thing is, is you know, I, I don't think people realize what a, it's a giant community because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of writers out there. But the for the for the most part, the people I interact with, and I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that isn't, but I'm, I'm sure there are some out there, but people are just so giving and generous and helpful, and uh, and that surprised me, because that's very different from theater. Yes. <laughs> it's very it is. It was different from a lot of things. I mean, it's it's different in a lot of ways from the news business too. And it really, what I mean to me that you know, I had a chance to meet some people that I have idolized since I was a teenager this weekend, and they were so nice and just normal people. And how can I help you? And let me give you some advice. So, but I think that all of these changes are for the better. I think, and it didn't used to be that way because the writers were were far more um, unapproachable, I think. And I think these changes, especially with with um, ebooks and everything else, I think this has all played into that. And I think it's creating a camaraderie and a, a mutual beneficial atmosphere for everybody. The myth number is. And now it's time for Myth Nomer, our word for the day. In honor of Mayor's debut, our word today is launch. So much goes into a successful book launch. Authors work months in advance to line up interviews, appearances, and blogs. As you have heard Mayer say, she has spent a lot of time getting ready for this sort of thing because you have like an entire month of celebrations. Mayor, would you like to tell us about the different events that you have planned? Thank you for asking. Yes, I'd love to. I'm doing a lot of online. I'm also doing live appearances because I think you need I need you need both. Uh, Online events, uh, we've got giveaways. I've got the big giveaway that I mentioned that we have later on this month with the four other Crescent Moon Press authors. I've got um, with Bewitching Book Tour, and we're doing a a giveaway with a free Kindle e-reader. I've got five signed print copies going out, five um, e-books, five signed bookmarks are part of that giveaway and that's a month long people can enter that all month long uh, go to my website and I've got 
all of the stops. I'm listing them as they come up each day as to where they can go to to enter because every day they can do more entries. Uh, I've got, as I said, 37 blog interviews, reviews, guest posts <laughs> going on. I have uh, four book signings in May, another one in June, some TV interviews. I think they're doing some stuff in the local paper and uh, we're still waiting on answers back from some of the Las Vegas media, but uh, it's it's really it's really been interesting doing all of that. And even though I was prepared for it, because you know I was watching Lindy when she did her launch and trying to pick her brain as to everything <laughs> that she did. So I was trying to make sure that I was doing all the things right. Rub everything you can and see what works. Exactly. That's that's what I did. But that's exactly what I did. I just took it all. I threw it up, threw it against the wall. Oh, my book trailer is out. And I have to give a shout out to my artist, Kyle Floyd, because he did a fabulous job on my book trailer, I believe. And to Ida Jansen, my beautiful cover, which I love. So thank you to them. Um, it, it's just a matter of, of getting out and, and doing anything and everything that I can think of to, to put the book in front of people's faces. That's pretty much what it boils down to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Mayor, if you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you invite? This is going to surprise nobody for my first answer. Um, and that, and I'm, I'm going to qualify that a little bit. The person who wrote the work that we call Shakespeare. I would really like to settle the debate once and for all, and I'd like to know who'd show up at that dinner party. So it's kind of a blanket invitation because I'm I'm not a, a Stratford uh, supporter at all. Um, I tend to lean towards Oxford, but I'm not 100% sold on him either. Uh, but definitely, whoever wrote Shakespeare's work, and it would have to be, so we'll, we'll call him Shakespeare, so whoever Shakespeare was, male, female, whoever wrote that work, I'd love to have them there so I know who did it because I want to know. I'm never going to know, but I, I want to know. Um, I think Leonardo da Vinci I would love. Uh, Isaac Asimov, who uh, was one of the first writers that I started reading in science fiction. Uh, Ramos, the Queen Dragon from the Dragon Riders of Pern series. And if I'm going to have the dragon, the mythical dragon from that series, I'd have to have Anne McCaffrey, too, who wrote that wonderful series, uh, which I just, I adored that reading that years ago. And I go back periodically and reread it because I just love her work. Um, Robin Williams, just because he is so much fun. And I think he'd keep everybody in stitches. And then my last, that's six, right? My last one would have to be Doctor Who because, you know, you got to get at least one TARDIS visit in. <laughs> I love it. That's a great list. What a great party. I want to come. I want to come. Okay. I'll let you come. All right. <laughs> well, what is the one question that you never get asked that you wish someone would ask? And what would you answer? This question actually did get asked of me in a classroom, but never in any of my interviews. And and it surprises me because you'd think that somebody would ask me this. And that's the question, do you believe in the paranormal? And my answer would be, 
not usually. <laughs> and, and I had this particular person get very upset when I said, no, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> And he goes, how can you write about them if you don't believe in them? I go, look, I write about unicorns too, but that doesn't mean I'm going to believe in them as much as I'd love to. Um, but then there are times when something very odd or something very strange happens and you think, uh, maybe I'm not quite so set on that. I don't believe in the paranormal. So uh, I'd have to say usually I don't. But there are times when I, I do second guess myself on that, that I've had some some odd things happen that uh, I certainly couldn't explain. And and everybody does. Everybody has something odd happen that you can't explain. So I'll 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 take that as um, a not usually, but sometimes maybe yes. <laughs> How's that for an answer? <laughs> Everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true, their own personal myth behaviors, if we want to fit it in with our show. So what myth behavior do people believe about you, Mare, that absolutely is not true? People think I'm very extroverted because I can go into a situation at times and come across as if I'm very comfortable. And, and especially when I was young, I was extremely extroverted. But I'm actually very shy underneath all of that. Um, if I'm with strangers, I could get very quiet. If I'm not in a position where I have to be doing something, where like the classroom, I'm in front of students, so I know I have to be doing my job. So I'm not shy there because that's, that's a comfort zone for me. But you could put me in a party with people I didn't know, and I would tend to get very shy if I was allowed to. If, if, if I had to serve a function, then I'm good at faking it. But that's what I'm doing is I'm faking and I'm actually underneath all of that pretend extrovert is a very shy person. And I think most people don't realize how shy I am because I cover it up. You cover it up very, very well. Really well. I mean, because <laughs> when I met you, there was nothing shy about you. You know, and I'm not saying that you were, you know, flamboyant or anything, but uh, you were definitely, you seemed in your element. Does that make sense? That you seemed very but outgoing. Yeah, but that's because I had to be. I mean, we were there for a specific purpose and I was representing a group. I, I couldn't like go sit in the corner and just watch everything because that wasn't my function there. I had a function that I had to serve and sitting in the corner and not saying anything would not have served that function, not for, um, and I, we're talking, Lindy, we're talking about when we went to ARCSHIP for Wildstar and uh, mm -hmm. because I was representing Wildstar Radio there along with Carla, I didn't have that option to be shy, but in, but inside I was shy. <laughs> if that makes any sense. It, it, I'm, it's, it's, I'm not saying that I'm putting on an act. No, I don't see it as an act. But I, I'm but just... I'm uh, able to hide it. I'm very surprised because you um, seem to be an extrovert. You don't seem to be a little shy. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not very well-mannered and very reserved, you know, but uh, you know <laughs> what I mean. Well, uh, what myth behavior do people believe that is true? Well, you, you already know this one, mm -hmm. so Carla knows me so well, but... I'm a gamer. I really do play MMOs. I seriously play MMOs. And Thulu and Lafie are gamers in Relics because I'm a gamer. 
And I think, I think sometimes that surprises people. Um, anybody who knows me, it doesn't surprise them because they probably know me from the gaming world. But anybody outside the gaming world, I think they're kind of taken by surprise. And every now and then, I'll get a student who'll come up to me and say, are you the professor that plays games? Yeah. You know, <laughs> the games? And then they have to test me. Yeah. Oh, wow. And see, I think that that's because of the stigma that gamers get, you know, um, these for a long time, people, and then let's just say at our age, because we are a little older than just a little bit, know, just a little bit older. Um, you know, it's like we've had to be closet gamers you know, for so many years. Now we don't care. <laughs> I never cared. I told people all along, uh, but I would, especially back when I was playing World of Warcraft. Uh, this one guy literally came to my classroom, and he said, "Somebody told me you play WoW," and I'm like, "Yes, I do." And he said, "I don't, I don't believe that." So you tell me something that proves to me. Well, I had this. I think she was level seventy at the time, which was max. And I was hardcore raiding. My guild at the time was. Um, a, very, very hardcore rating. They eventually went into the top 200 guilds in the country, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I wasn't with them when they did that. But uh, I did raid a lot, and so I started spouting off all this WoW tech, techno babble to him that he played WoW, so he knew what I was talking about. But ever since then, I, I still, every now and then, students will come up to me and say, somebody says you game. Somebody says, you play WoW, and I'm like, well, I don't play WoW anymore. I'm playing Star Wars and Guild Wars 2 now and getting ready to play Wildstar. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's two games going with getting ready to add a third. So, nah, I don't game at all. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, my goodness, that's the end of our show. Mayor, I mean, this is your show, but... Thank you for being our guest this time around. This has been an amazing interview. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to do this. And I thank you, my dear friend, Carla. And Lindy, it's so awesome to have you join us. And, and just so everybody knows, Lindy put our questions together to grill me with today. So I appreciate her um, using her journalistic talents and, and helping out on, on the other side of the table. We're going to have Lindy back in the future. So uh, we, we'll be seeing her again. She's, she's uh, one of our favorite people. So we'll definitely have her back uh, on the other side of the table. Again, she won't be hosting the next time she'll get to come back as author again. But thank you both for, uh, for, for, for doing this because I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. The feeling is totally mutual. I've had so much fun every time I've been here with y'all. Thank you for having me on to guest host tonight. It was so much fun to get to talk to y'all again. And everybody, remember, you can go to mythbehaving.com for more information on Mare and links to her books. You can read her bio, and you can also find links there to her social media. And don't forget, you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right there at mythbehaving.com, right there on our website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That's how we move up the iTunes ladder. And don't forget that you can also subscribe to us on iTunes so that you know when each episode comes out. Well, thanks for tuning in to Myth Behaving, and we'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. And I'm Mare, and we are Misbehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon. <laughs>